Good morning Jubilee. Over the coming weeks whilst we're in the season that we're in we're going to be looking uh, at a new teaching series through Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Now in Acts 16 we get a, a picture of the origin story of this church. Paul and his companions they've been traveling from city to city uh, from region to region preaching the gospel the good news of Jesus. And then they get this prophetic call to cross over from Asia, where they've been, into Europe, into a region called Macedonia. And so they cross over and they come to the leading city of that region, Philippi. And as they're there, they begin to preach the gospel. And whilst they're doing that, they see a businesswoman, Lydia, and her family come to faith. They see a young slave girl who's been possessed by a demon come to freedom wonderfully and then they're dragged before the city rulers and are beaten and imprisoned but God meets them in their imprisonment and turns it around for good using it to save the jailer and his family and so by the time that Paul and his companions are free and released and able to leave the city they have seen a budding new church plant uh, established and this church then goes on to be key players uh, in the advance of the gospel partnering with Paul in his mission but now as we come to the letter to the Philippians Paul is imprisoned again probably in Rome again for having preached the gospel and the Philippians hear of this and so they send one of their own, a guy called Epaphroditus, to take a gift and supplies to Paul in prison. And he comes to him and he takes care of him in whatever way he can. But now Paul has received this gift and has heard reports from Philippi that these guys, these new believers, are suffering for the gospel just as he is. And so he is keen to send Epaphroditus back to them with this letter, this letter thanking them for their gift and encouraging them as a father to carry on in the faith that they've been walking in, to continue to follow Jesus. And, they, and in this letter he includes a number of encouragements to the church. One of the first things that you spot as you read the letter is just how amazingly full of joy it is. You know, as you read it, it's something that immediately strikes you, just the joy that is in Paul as he's writing. Here is Paul in prison, suffering for the gospel, not knowing if he's going to live or die, if he's going to be released or killed, writing to a church that is also suffering as he is, and yet he cannot contain his joy. Again and again, he bursts out. You know, this joy bubbles up in him, it bursts out of him as he's finding himself rejoicing in the Philippians themselves, in the advance of the gospel, in Jesus' name being made famous, in Jesus himself and even in his own imprisonment. Again and again he calls the Philippians to do the same. He gives them this command, rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, rejoice. And this faith-filled joy becomes the fuel for both Paul and the Philippians to glorify God in fearless suffering. 
So both of them in the, in the situation where they're suffering for the sake of the gospel and both of them empowered to do it fearlessly because of the joy that is found in Jesus. For a Christian, says Paul, this kind of suffering is normal. It's completely normal. It's expected. It's promised. In fact, Paul even says it is a gift granted to you. He reminds them of how he suffered when he was imprisoned with them in, in Philippi. How he suffered when he brought the gospel to them and how um, the church was established because of it. And he shows the, the Philippians that, that they're now part of this same struggle that he was part of, that they saw in him. He says this to them, it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw that I had and now hear that I still have. And so Paul is keen to encourage the Philippian church uh, in their ongoing partnership in the advance and the spread of the gospel. He wants to remind them that, that what they're suffering is, is serving the purposes of God. He wants to thank them for their gift and their encouragement and all that they've been doing in partnering with him. But, they're all, but he also wants to show them that everything they're doing is also serving the gospel's advance in the nations and it is being used by God to that end. He says this, I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And finally he wants the church to see that the uh, the role that they play in taking hold of this new life that Jesus has given them as they pursue Christian maturity. He says, this is, this is yours to take up, it's yours to chase after, it's yours to pursue. And so he's encouraging them to pursue Christian maturity. And that this pursuit of theirs is an outworking of the power of God in their life. They're not able to work it out themselves. No, it is God who is at work in them to be, in, to be able to pursue godly living and Christian maturity. And so he sets up that model. He says, this is what I'm doing. Uh, Philippians 3 he talks about, I'm pressing on to make it my own. Imitate me. And so he calls the Philippians to join with him as they pursue Christian maturity together. He says this. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And all of these things for Paul are motivated by, you know, motivated by, and there are signposts to the day of Christ. Throughout the letter, we see Paul using this phrase and directing the gaze of these Christians from away from their struggle towards Jesus himself. And this, um, the day that uh, Jesus returns and fulfills all of his promises on earth to, uh, to his people. And he's pulling their attention away from their current struggles and towards that day, the picture of that final day when all things come together and all things are perfected and completed. He's doing this, as he's doing this, Paul is very clear. He's not wanting them to become head in the cloud Christians. Rather, he wants this sure hope to equip the church 
of the situation that they are in, the situations that they face. He wants to arm them for the, for the battles that they're in. So he's not wanting them to be head in, the, uh, head in the sand, head in the cloud Christians. He wants them to be engaged in the world that they're in, but fueled by and focused by all that God is calling them to in, and for the future, all of God's promises for them in Christ. And so they are able to pursue God, to pursue growth, to pursue gospel advance and to, as they continue to fix their eyes on Jesus. And so for us at Jubilee, my prayer is that as we look through um, this book of Philippians together over the coming weeks, that we would uh, see this circumstance overcoming joy that we have in Jesus. And that this joy would cause us to rejoice even in the face of great suffering. I pray also that it would motivate us to continue to be outward looking as we pursue the gospel's advance in our neighbourhoods, in the nations, as we partner with one another, with the Holy Spirit and with friends and family across the globe. We want to see Jesus made known. And finally, like that we, like Paul, would learn to press on into this new life that we've been given and to make it ours in the confidence that Jesus has made us his. Amen.